0: He's so are part of the south, we and and you this is where we start.
1: A place we go for and you'll always see us we
2: Hello and welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. On today's special episode, we're going to look at what it's like to follow Partick Thistle from afar. We have three fans who currently live outside Scotland to do so. Joining me this week are Ian Hepburn. Ian, hello. Hi, how's it going? Stuart Goldie is here. Stuart, are you well? Yeah, very well.
3: Thanks for having us on.
2: And rounding off our panel this week is Alfred Archer. Alfred, how are you? Very well, thanks, Matt. Thanks for having us. No problem. I believe this is all three of your pod debuts, so I'm just going to come around to you all quickly and just ask what got you into sport and thistle, and where you find yourself now, and how you find yourself there. So you know, start with you. What's your sort of thistle story? But it's family tradition. My my dad and my granddad. Supported them for,
1: for many years And um, we'd lived in England for a long time And moved back to Scotland So I we went to a game It was one of the things where I can actually pinpoint the exact day It's August the 13th uh, 1994 First game of the season 2-0 against Kilmarnock um, And just one of those things where As soon as you sort of go through what it's like being at hell, It was crazy enough anyway But that was the game when um, Jerry Collins Sat in the Jackie Husband stand in his hard hat and I just don't, you sort of get stuff like that and Chick being Chick, you know, winking at the crowd where he's taking free kicks like he's a panther. And you just think, all right, this is very different. This is what I was expecting. And just immediately fell in love with it after that. Uh, I'm down in Salford, uh, just with work, Um, although I actually will be moving back to Glasgow fairly soon, which is quite nice. been down here for the best part of 10 years and away from Glasgow for a lot longer than that, so just, it it makes following the club a bit harder, it's a bit more of a remove, you know, you're relying on on things like this, like DLD and and internet forums and stuff just to try and keep abreast of what's happening. Um, My day job's a sports journalist, so I kind of you see a bit more of it than perhaps the sort of civilians would, I suppose. But it's it's still
2: that kind of distance by being down here that, that makes it a little bit harder. Yeah, we'll definitely speak about that a bit there. Um, Stuart, what about you? A familiar face uh, amongst lots of our listeners. Um, where are you speaking from at the moment and how did you get into supporting the Jags? I'm
3: currently based in Stavanger, Norway, but I'm actually floating in from the north of Scotland in Turriff tonight. I'm on a little week's holiday. Uh, My family is Thistle fans all the days, so my grandfather, late grandfather, supported the club since before the war. My dad, who's still going, still a season ticket holder, since about 1947, 48, he started going. In 1984, 85, I persuaded my dad to take me along. I was under Benny Rooney those days, I was expecting a big crowd, lots of action. We had a small crowd and I never saw a goal for my first three games. But somehow I was hooked. It felt like I was going to the place my dad went and my grandfather went before him. And there was, there was just something magical about for help. And Alfred, what about yourself?
0: Yeah, I guess uh, my way in was a little bit different in that neither of my parents uh, care about football at all. Uh, so when I started getting into football, my gran, who also didn't care about football, but she used, she grew up in Deniston and she used to be friends with Willie Sharp. Uh, I think he's the all-time Thistle record goal scorer. So she said that, you know, if I did get into football, I should always sport uh, Thistle. And then um, my school went on a a school trip to the ground. And after that, I I tried to persuade my mum to to take me to a game when I was like seven or eight, I think. And so, yeah, my first game was in 1996, a 2-0 defeat to Motherwell. And yeah, for some reason, for some reason that persuaded me that, that I wanted to come back for more. Uh, and that was the season we got relegated from the, the Premier League under Murdoch McLeod. And I was at the first of the playoff games then. But yeah, again, something about it uh, just, just made me want to keep coming back. And uh, I think the first season that I was able to go regularly when I didn't have to kind of beg my parents to take me was... um. 2000 uh, sorry 2000 2001 which was the start of John Lambie's double promotions and so yeah obviously that is just something that completely hooked me both seeing a thistle team that actually wins which is unusual enough and also that you know big characters like John Lambie just fantastic uh,
2: thing to be involved with so yeah that's kind of my way in yeah, something I've noticed is speaking to a lot of thistle fans, you very rarely hear somebody say, Oh, my first game was a win. You always hear my first game was nil-nil or we oh, lost 2-0, my first game. You never hear anyone say their first game is a win, but they're hooked anyway. Um, you know, come back to you, you're down in Salford. What's the what's the match day experience like down there for you? Um how often do you get to Forhill? but when you can't get to Forhill, how do you try and replicate that sort of match-day feeling down there?
1: The only way to replicate, it obviously, is to try and stand and look at the sun for an hour and a half because the way it comes across the top of the main stand makes it impossible to watch anything. Um, no, I mean, I I try and get up. I mean it's it 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 was easier before I think the pandemic in terms of the the pennine trains go straight up from um, Manchester Airport to Glasgow on a sort of fairly regular basis, so you could get up a sort of you know once a month I would try and get up there get to get the sort of six o'clock train up. It gives you time to sort of get a pint have some lunch see some pals get to the game and then get the train back um and still be back in Manchester before match the day so it's, that, that was kind of doable post pandemic with the strikes and and the sort of the state of transparent anyway it's been a lot harder to get up as much as I'd like but what I have done is do a lot of watching the the, the streams um through the site um which is Initially, it was easy, and now, obviously, they've geo-blocked it to England as well, so there's a little bit of, looking the other way, please don't tell anybody <laughs> I'm watching it. Um, but then I, I do a lot of baking, and, and I've got the ritual of making some scotch pies, so I'll have a scotch pie and a cup of coffee and sit and watch the game um, and try and recreate that sense of general despair you get on a Saturday at, uh, at 2.55 when uh, um, Sylvia kicks in. Are you, are you playing
2: Silvera through any speakers? <laughs> 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 I
1: have I have been known to put it on on the uh on, on my phone as a ringtone just before the game of just in case uh like my dad phones or something just I've got that kind of experience yeah
2: Stuart what about you you're in, when you're in Norway how easy is it for you to to catch little games when you're over there and how often yeah. do you get yourself over to Forhill
3: so I mean for home games I subscribe to the stream so. I watch the home games. Eh, there's been a few teething problems this, this season with them, but in general, it's pretty good. Away games, unfortunately, it's open all mics just to try and catch up that with Twitter and WhatsApp chat. I'm quite fortunate with my work. Currently, I'm getting home every couple of months, so I can schedule whatever meeting I'm in Glasgow to be on a Friday. So I'll extend the weekend and get across that way. Uh, match day routine, it's the same as when I'm back home to a certain extent, that if I've had a certain Thistle jersey on the week before and we've won, that stays on the following week. I've, I still have the same of things that I have to do before a match. You know, that top, I need to make sure that the TV's on at a time. It's, it's routines that I need to do. The only thing I don't have is a beer when I'm actually watching the game at home, probably just because it could be too depressing on my own.
2: So what's the what's the first port of call when you do go over? Where's the number one stop off when you're you're back home? Months.
3: So always meets, always yeah, always meets you know Ian, Mark, etc. And months
2: beforehand. And Alfred, what about you? Do you get over much from the Netherlands? It's
0: it's a little difficult for me. I, I maybe make one or two games a season at most at the moment. Um, I, I do come over to Scotland quite a lot, but it's quite hard to persuade. You know, when I'm coming over to see my dad or my brother, to then say, on oh, by the way, actually, I need to, I need to just go to Fair Hill. <laughs> it's quite a hard sell. But I was over for the the playoff final in, in Dingwall this year.
2: Um, but, oh. but maybe we better not talk about that one. No, that's a banned word. Um, do you do you have any little rituals um, over where you are in terms of match days, trying to recreate an experience for yourself?
0: I do. I do try and wear the strip which I don't know, it seems pointless like who am I wearing it for but I, I do wear the strip and I quite often have uh, one of my colleagues will come come and watch with me so I've kind of persuaded him he's from California you'd think he has better things to do this time but um, for some reason he's, he's willing to watch me watch me go through uh, the emotional roller coaster that is watching the Jags and very occasionally if the game's on TV I can persuade the Irish pub in the centre of Tilburg to show the game and that always gets very confused reactions from the, the local <laughs> Dutch people, Is it, who is this team? Why, why is this blaring through the main pub on a Friday night in, until work? But.
2: At least they recognise it as, as football. That's a start, I <laughs> yeah. um, I sent over a message to David, who's our editor, um, about what I was going to be speaking to you about today, and he actually sent back a question, which I didn't, include in the, the little message I sent you. So I'm going to ask you now, I'll come back around you in reverse order. Um, Alfred, since you've been in the Netherlands, have you grown attached to any, any other football teams, local football teams, since you've lived over there? yeah it's a difficult thing
0: it's funny actually because when when i um became a fissile fan it wasn't really like i never made a conscious choice as i guess for most football fans it's either something you're handed down through your family or just something that kind of hits you at some point but when i came to tilburg i really wanted to to kind of fill the gap <laughs> uh and and support the local team Willem Twey. there was a few barriers first of all they're named after king kind of King Billy, not the King Billy, but they are named after a King Billy, so that is a barrier. And uh, it took me a while, I have to say, I went to, to many games and just didn't really get the feeling for it. But then I think in 2016, 2017, the fans started being more entertaining and more fun. The team started being more fun. They actually had Alexander Isak playing for them for a bit, and that's when I really kind of fell in love with them. Not quite, certainly not to the same extent as Vessel, but to the extent that I'm a season ticket holder at willem now. And um, if I'm away from Tilburg, I'll also try and watch uh, the willem games if I
2: can. So you see, you've got a season ticket there. What's the? What would you say the sort of main differences in your, in your match-to-experience there compared to Fahill? And possibly more importantly, if the two ever met in the, the Europa conference someday, but you'd still be in the Thistle End?
0: Absolutely be in the Thistle End. I, was, I mean... One of the the big tragedies of my life, maybe that's too too big a thing to say, but it's a huge tragedy that Wilmutwe did play Rangers in uh, the Europa League a few seasons ago, but it was during COVID, so um, so <laughs> there were no fans in the stadium, and and then the other tragedy is of course that Rangers won five 0 I think it was, um, so yeah, definitely it would still be still be in the first end. The match matchday experience, I, I, I hate to to say it, but it is just. An all-round better thing at Vilnius. <laughs> Full stadium, about ten thousand people, like music blaring out. You can drink beer. Um, yeah, obviously it's not it's not got what I miss about Fair Hill, but I think objectively you have to say that it's just an all-round more professional and uh,
2: slicker operation. Yeah. I think Scottish football's still got a, a long way to go in that regard. Um, Stuart, what about you? Any Norwegian teams that you've got a soft spot yeah, for?
3: Yeah, so I've got two. So obviously Viking is the big team round in my area in Stavanger, and they're flying high at the moment, uh, play really well. Full house, sixteen, I think 17,000. So I had a season ticket with them for a few years before COVID, but with the TV schedules, the games ended up being Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Uh, so I just gave it up. Still go to occasional games, but just round the corner from me, we have a fifth division team called FK Vida, who were quite known online a few years ago for a sort of cult following from some English clubs as well. Great wee team, old style, grass terracing, sometimes you pay to get in, sometimes they'll let you in for free. Hot dog stalls, you're, you're right on top of it. It's a very, very nice setup, but it's not this old. Yeah. As much as you know, Vikings really prefer. It's a really nice stadium. It's quite not, but it's it's not got the it's not got the passion that Scottish football has in Norwegian football.
2: Well, I was going to ask you the the Norwegian lower leagues. How how are they different? Do you think the the passion and the, and the fan base is the the main thing?
3: Yeah, I I think the the, the big th- the big problem in Norwegian football is so many. Norwegian fans support Liverpool or Man United as the first club. Sure. And V V King's got a big support just now because they're top of the league. But if they weren't top of the league, they would have maybe eight, nine thousand. A lot of season ticket holders, but people just won't turn up unless
2: they're winning. Yeah. What about yourself, Ian? You're sort of spoiled for choice in terms of clubs and then around you, but have any have any taken to your to your heart? Um not not here. I mean I've
1: I've been to Salford City a couple of times, but you know, the, the connections with the United ownership was kind of a bit off putting. It's a lovely ground and it's a, a decent club, but you know um but when I, I lived in abu dhabi for a year um the 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 2012 2013 seasons which i didn't see any of apart from the challenge cup final um but there was two clubs sort of within walking distance of my flat i literally one directly opposite which was the Zira club um who are owned by man city's owners and then the kind of the proper club in in abu dhabi which is al wadah who are more kind of the thistle of of uh, Abu Dhabi, and that there, there's two bigger clubs. They've got all smaller ground, but their fans are like the proper fans, and they're the real kind of historic club. So I tried to get to, to every home game for there because they were free as well. They didn't charge to get in because Arabian fans wouldn't pay to go watch Arabian football. Oddly enough, so that became my kind of alternate clubs was going to going to um, the MBZ and going to the the Prince Diane Stadium just to watch those. They were I was a lot more entertaining, to be honest. Um, a very very odd matchday experience
2: as well. Yeah, Ian, you've said that you you came back. Well, I, I imagine you came back for the the Challenge Cup final. I you've mentioned you you came across for Dingwall. So you know, stick with you. Is that the sort of level of game that would make you cancel all of your plans and and get up the road? Is it, is it cup finals and playoffs only, or is there any sort of testimonials? Any special occasions you would you would cancel some plans for to get back up? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've tried to 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 get to to. Games, I mean, I was looking at, at, at
1: um, Banzo's testimony to try and get up for that. Um, unfortunately, that's literally the final week of, of my work, so it's kind of making it slightly harder. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that season, I was in mean, I flew back twice for games that get rained off, which became a kind of a running joke of 24,000-mile round trips for two games I didn't get to see. Uh, and then came back for the Challenge Cup, and obviously we lost. So it was kind of – that was a – Cursed season overall, really. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll come up. I'll come up when I can. More than anything else, one of the things I try and do is come up for Morton games. One of my best pals is a Morton fan, so we'll, we tend to go there, and, and um, that's always good fun. Especially the the first game when Tiff signed full time because he was, oh, Tiffany's useless. He was terrible with us. He's he's dreadful. And then spent Tiffany spent the entire game roasting Morton single handedly. It was wonderful to watch Stu's face, to be honest. <laughs>
2: Good stuff. And uh, Alfred, what about you? Are you um, cancelling and coming over? I, I also might ask you, how do you get over? Do you, I take it you fly or do you get a boat?
0: Normally I, I fly, but um my mum lives in Hexham near Newcastle, so if I'm going to oh, see sure. see her, then I get I get the boat and then I might get the train train off after that. Um yeah, normally I have to say I, it's more about fitting in a trip to see Thistle around other trips to the UK. But of course when it's something like the playoff final and luckily I had had tickets to come to scotland anyway i hadn't planned to, on going to it uh i hadn't booked the trip especially for that but then it was easy to fit that around everything else um although of course i, I kind of wish i hadn't bothered
2: <laughs> i'm going to ask you now who, who your favorite jags players are of all time i'm um, sure i'm going to start with you because uh, you're involved with the, the jags foundation heavily and they've been releasing lots of of great pins which uh, i'll give you a chance to plug just now and yep. maybe your favorite player might already have a pin out
3: my 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 favourite player is Chris Dillon, uh even though I've been going for almost 40 years. Uh, so he was our second pin that we brought out. So he uh, epitomises everything that Thistle is. My father's uh, favourite was Johnny McKenzie. Obviously, we got a pin of him out as well. There's more to come out as well.
2: And in terms of uh, Chris and being your favourite player, Stuart, how often were you going to the games at the time where he was sort of in his peak in the sort of early to mid-2010s? Now you're in Norway, do you find it more difficult to get attached to the current players than you would players you would see week in, week out? Yeah,
3: it's... With the streaming, it helps. And getting back to five, six games, it helps. It's, It's not as easy as when you were a kid. You know, when you were a kid and you were going every week, you were looking up at these players. I think currently, Brian Graham, definitely you connect with Brian Graham for whatever reason. He just gets thistle. But yeah, it takes... Even even when I'm back at the, the stadium now, the players look different on the telly than they do in the stadium. And social media helps also to connect with the players, but it's a bit more difficult in a way.
2: Do you think how visible Brian Graham is helps with that? Because you're obviously getting a lot of your Thistle content through Adam Adelman like post-match interviews, and he's doing a lot of them for the women's team as well. Do you think that's a big factor in how likeable and how easy it is to become attached to a player?
3: I think definitely. He's got a lot of content online, you know, from both teams he gets captured you know the goals obviously help as well but he also gets captured a lot in fans videos etc you know singing his song when he's up for the corner you know just things like that lend you towards really liking the guy
2: ian what about you favorite jack of all
1: time i mean to use a quote you'll, you'll appreciate Matt. splendid fellows all of them i think um <laughs> The, I mean, Chick is the one of the reasons I fell in love with the club and, and always will be, just, you know, in, in any other era or with, you know, someone who could just get him to screw the heat on a wee bit, he'd be a 50-cap player for Scotland. He would he was that good, just a little bit of a pamper. Um, Of the current crop, I mean, Banzo, I think, is someone, in, in the same way Stuart says with with. with duels and, and duels definitely would have been on there. You know, I wrote a piece about him for Nutmeg that I think expressed how much I love Chris Doolan But Banzo has has been through so much with the club ups and downs, injuries and, and so on. And he kind of get a sense that future generations will will appreciate him a lot more, I think, than maybe some fans do at the moment. Um he's one of those guys, he's incredibly hard working, but he gets a lot of kind of stick from certain fans for performances or for things not necessarily going right but i think he he has been with the club for so long and clearly it means a lot to him as well that um i, I think it's just something about him he, he, he just he feels like like this old the way that check did in terms of you know he bodies a lot of, of what the club's about
2: so check's obviously still at, at the top i think for a lot of fans the sort of first player they fall in love with is is often the the one that's their favorite forever do you think that it's partly that, or do you think it's partly because you're not going week in, week out anymore? You're you're struggling to go attached to somebody as much as you did, uh, Chip?
1: Um, to an extent, I mean, I think partly as well. It's a bit more transitory. Players move on a lot quicker. I mean, although we, you know, with their Lambeau, we had quite a high turnover of players anyway. But, um, you know, there was there's players. That I, I, I think every year, you've got someone you really like, like Aaron Taylor Sinclair, was someone I loved when he came into the team, but then obviously he disappeared and and. You know, is kind of jobbing his way around the lower leagues now. So I think it's kinda of harder to to create attachments, even for for players who are who you see regularly, just because you know they might not be there as long. Whereas someone like Chick, I mean, you know, how many spells did he have with his four spells over however many years? Duels was with his, you know, apart from a wee loan spell out at Clyde for, for the best part of a decade. Um, Banzo's been there pretty much his entire senior career. You know, it's that kind of I think when you've got that longevity, it makes it more it kind of cements it a bit more, and makes you makes them feel part of the the infrastructure of the club as much, um, rather than just being someone who's there for a payday. Yeah,
2: Alfred, what about you? Favorite Jag?
0: Yeah, I've narrowed it down to two. So when I first started going kind of to every home game and some of the away games, um, I think Scott Patterson was was definitely my favorite player. I mean, I just love the players who, it's almost quite unbalanced in how good they are at some things and then maybe not so good at, at other things. Uh, so Scott Patterson, the way he could just glide past players and the kind of nonchalance with which even as a centre-back, he would kind of sell players with dummies and, and hit these these wonderful passes. I just absolutely loved that. In fact, I, I think as a teenager, I did have a, a kind of embarrassing uh, Scott Patterson lack of haircut as well. Um, that, that's how much I admired the man. But I think on the whole, I'd probably say Chris Erskine would be my, my favourite. Just the way that he kind of, would have spells where it looked like he'd never seen a football before, and then other spells where you'd think, well, how can this guy only be playing in Scotland? He should be playing in the Premier League. He, he can do things that, that no other players can. But then also the simple things sometimes would be a bit, a bit too difficult. Um, so I think he's probably my favourite uh, of all time. But uh, Scott Patterson has the, the special place of being my kind of first
2: uh, thistle idol. So Alfred, you're obviously a season ticket at Vale. Villers- if you could sign one thistle player for for the who would it be and vice versa as well if you could ship some deal to thistle from from there and that and a good a, a swap deal that would benefit both who's who's making the switch
0: thistle would really have benefited from you asking this question a couple of years ago when villantui were good um <laughs> and at the moment i really lack uh creativity i'd love to see stevie lawless or or Adam fitzpatrick and see what they could do on the wings of villantui because it we really don't have any wingers and we really lack that bit of spark. Um, in terms of the other way around, uh, I think thistle could really do of a defensive midfielder. So I'm going to slightly cheat and say that uh, the former captain who just left Willem uh Paul Long, who's uh, from Catalonia. He's not great creativity, doesn't have great passing, but he's just got that, that dig in the middle of the park, breaking up play. And I think that would help Vistel a lot right now.
2: If, if his name is Paul Long and he's from Catalonia, I'm sure he'd gone fine. He'd get in plenty of songs. He'd be a very popular figure, I'm sure, on Maryhill. No, I like that. Um, Stuart, I'm going to ask you, um, how do you keep on top of the sort of clubs going on? Uh, the club going goes on. You're obviously involved with the Jags Foundation, but do you rely on Jags' own? You've, I saw your tweet about the the programme. How reliant on you are things like that to keep on, on top of the things that would be sort of coming to you day to day if you were living a bit closer?
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm sat uh, the club site, obviously the club Twitter, Facebook, programs. I'm probably going to subscribe to after seeing the first two, which are really good. You are know, I'm really, really impressed with them. I think I, that's obviously I've got various group chats with different friends, etc., as to find out what's going on, what's the feeling, etc. If it wasn't for the club site, so our coverage. And the press is very poor, especially now it's going to be worse now. James Kearney has left the times, uh, who's done a fantastic job for us. But it's it's really the club sites that I'm getting most of it from. Twitter, there's occasionally you'll get somebody else who do a, a spot on Thistle, but not that often.
2: Uh, Ian, same question to you, but you're a bit closer to home. Um, do you find uh, it any easier to keep on top of things?
1: Yeah, it is a bit in terms of, of, of um, and also because of the day job, it's a bit easier as well, I think, in terms of, of access. I, I'm not sure I wholly agree with, with what Stuart says in terms of the coverage. I think James has certainly been fantastic for us in terms of bringing a depth to the coverage of, of Thistle that we've lacked for many years. But I think we do well in terms of coverage in the media compared to other clubs of our size. I think the, the the relative proximity of, of for hell to a lot of the, because most of the media space based in Glasgow and Scotland, and also the the, the sort of the accessibility of folk like, like Ian McCall when he was there, and obviously Chris as well, very, very media-friendly, media-savvy people. So we do get far better coverage, I think. I mean, it would be lovely to get the level of Rangers and Celtic, but we get a lot of coverage more than, you know, like a, Falkirk or uh, Dunfermline or some clubs Who are of comparative size and fan Base to us so I'm not I'm not wholly sure I agree with that but I think The the terms of following is Day to day it's it's Certainly the social media area is a lot easier There's a lot more sort of outlets um, You know a million years ago Me, Vinny and, and Donald started the Jagscast and that was A lot harder in terms of podcasting To, to kind of get audiences and now You've got something like this which is you know, an absolute godsend in terms of how to do it and, and, and you know, shows a real benchmark of what club podcasting should be like. That's very much been
2: something I've relied on in the last couple of years as well, is listening to this. I'll send that money over later, Ian. Um, Stuart, I'll let you come back on that uh, point from Ian about the media. Is there anything that, that sort of lacks for you, Ian? I think, so I do agree. I think I'm sort of tending to lean towards Ian in the sense that a club for our size, I think we do all right for ourselves. But what would you like to see more of? I just what you
3: obviously from from the foreign looking in what you seem to have is the same snippet on all the different newspapers and it's a snippet or a rumor or it's the same interview that seems to come across and a lot of the time it was what James had put then a part of that will come on to somewhere else. BBC postmatch is pretty good when they get the names right sometimes they get that wrong but Apart from likes of the Times or the Herald, what James was doing, that just seemed to get regurgitated. I do agree, though, that we get a lot more than Dunfermline or Falkirk, etc. But I think the Scottish press, particularly, needs to start looking more to some of the smaller clubs or clubs ours and giving them a fair fair crack of the whip as well.
2: Sure, Alfred, how do you find the coverage from from the Netherlands? Are you satisfied you get enough thistle coverage what would you like more of
0: um well i i think i get enough with the the stuff the club puts out and i'll back Ian up and saying that uh draw lose or draw does a fantastic job of kind of allowing people like me kind of isolated over here to to really feel uh part of the club in a way that i just wouldn't be able to otherwise I would say I kind of agree in some ways uh, with Ian that maybe, maybe fiss will get a better coverage in the press than, than clubs that are sized. But I, I also agree with Stuart that I think coming from a foreign point of view, from having lived abroad, you just see how much Rangers and Celtic dominate all Scottish football coverage in a way that, you know, even though the Netherlands is dominated by Ajax and uh, Feyenoord and PSV, they don't dominate the coverage in the same way that Rangers and Celtic do in Scotland. So you you get far more reports on other clubs over here in, in the the Netherlands than you, you do in Scotland. So for me, yeah, I I don't tend to bother anymore with um BBC Scotland or the Scottish newspapers when it comes to to thistle content because it's just there's hardly any of it and uh what it is is not very well informed.
2: Sure. And before we wrap up with a sort of mini partridge system, I'm gonna just uh, ask come round you all and just ask you to to plug something that you've been doing. I know Ian and Alfred that are book kind of fans in Stuart as you mentioned earlier and involved with the Jags Foundation. Uh, The latest Chick Charnley pin, how can folk get their hands in that and how can folk help out with the Jags Foundation?
3: So the latest pin was announced today, Chick Charnley. It was mentioned on here a few times. So to get a pin, join up to the Jags Foundation. So the Jags Foundation is currently putting in £10,000 a month towards the club. The more members we have, the more pins we sell, the more that we can put to the club. It's the fans' club now. The more the fans get involved, the more the fans can contribute, the better the club becomes. So if you've not joined up, join up now.
2: Thanks, Stuart. Ian, do you want to plug your, your scene?
1: Um Sure. OK. Um, from Sublime, um, it's, we're on our, our issue one, which is our confusingly our second issue, just to to really throw everybody. Um, it's a kind of pro Fanzine slash low-budget magazine of of popular culture Everything from new metal to old comedians to Scottish football The current issue's got features on Tiger and Bondage Model And uh, Rosemary's Baby And a very good piece by uh, an up-and-coming young writer By the name of Matthew Greer about Scottish football Scran That I I genuinely recommend
2: Uh, It's available at
1: fromthesublime.com, I should say
2: Excellent. I'm going to recommend the, the Taskmaster uh, piece in the last issue. That was my favourite one. Uh, make sure you check that out. Uh, Alfred, what about you? We shouted your book out a few weeks ago, but you can give it a much more informed plug this time.
0: Uh, well, I'll start by saying, uh, just reiterating Stuart's point, everyone should join the the JAGS Foundation. I think it's fantastic uh, what they've done and kind of really gives me hope uh, as a puzzle fan. Uh, but yes, if... Having joined the Jags Foundation, if you've already spent your money on that, then maybe, and you've already bought the fanzine, uh, then maybe you could also uh, spend some money on on the book I've written together with uh, Jake Walczewski, uh, which is why it's okay to be a sports fan. We're both philosophers, and we're trying to deal with the kind of ethical issues with being a sports fan, and trying to persuade people who maybe don't understand what we're all doing, why we care so much about FISL, uh, or whatever sports team, and um, try to. Pers- kind of explain to people what it is that's so attractive about being a sports fan why so many people devote so much of their time and and money and effort to it uh,
2: so you can get that from Routledge um, if, if you want. Thanks Alfred yeah I read that book a couple of weeks ago and it was I really, really enjoyed it a couple of Thistle shout outs in there as well so yeah make sure you, you pick one of them up uh, we'll finish with a, a sort of mini and topical Partridge Thistle I'm just going to ask you all, if you could live anywhere else in the world uh, where would you go? You all live in exotic places already. But um Stuart, I'll start with you on that one. My
3: heart would say Mary Hill, but my wife would say Croatia. So <laughs> it'd definitely be Croatia.
2: Uh, where would you buy a season ticket in Croatia?
3: Oh, I probably still with my season ticket at like Far Hill and come back for that. Good stuff.
2: Good stuff. <laughs> Loyal Jags fan. Um Ian, what about you? Um
1: like like Stuart right my, my heart says this is Glasgow this is going back to, to northwest Glasgow but um if I had a choice of anywhere I would go to Seattle been there a few times absolutely love it Sounders is kind of I suppose my second club um it's such as such as these things are and it's a lovely city in that it, it it's kind of got a really nice chilled vibe and the weather is very British So, you don't have that sort of horrendous American heat. You just kind of, oh, it's snowing again, lovely. So, you feel it right
2: at home. Yeah, I think I'd be joining you in America somewhere. Probably New York for me, but uh, I like your choice. We can have MLS derbies together. Uh, Alfred, what about you?
0: Well, again, Glasgow is is an obvious answer, but I think uh, if it it wasn't Glasgow, somewhere in Italy, I think for me. um, Great place for food, great place for football. And then since leaving, uh, Glasgow. I'd say about half the friends I've met in living abroad, even living in the Netherlands, bizarrely enough, have been Italian. Uh, so yeah, I'd I feel like I'd already know a lot of people uh, there.
2: And where would you go uh, on your on your weekends for the football?
0: Well, as uh, one of my good Italian friends is a Roma fan, I, I feel quite pressured to say Roma, uh, but it is difficult when they got Jose Mourinho in charge to to really really love them. So i think so long as it's not juventus this is what i've learned from my italian friends is that juventus are basically an embodiment of pure evil and and so so long as you're supporting anyone but juventus you're doing okay
2: uh, there's a summer thing going on over here but um listen uh, alfred stuart and ian thanks very much for your time i enjoyed that a lot we will tag uh, all the guys on twitter so if you want to follow them you can follow them on twitter when the episode comes out We will be back on Thursday with our usual weekly episode, having a look back at the Morton game and previewing our cup tie against Queen of the South. In the meantime, stay safe.